This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 91. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Sarah Cope. Sarah is a software engineer working remotely for the U.S. federal government. She's passionate about education and diversity in tech and loves helping others level up their skills. Outside of work, she enjoys collecting toys and adventuring with her family. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I am a woman in tech for the past 17 years. Um, surprisingly, so my background with that is in software development and project management. And then outside of my full-time job, I also do some mentoring and teaching at an education boot camp. And then my home life, I have two sons and a pug named Bowie. And your, uh, your two sons, how old are they? Ben is 12 and Nick is 18. And are they involved in tech? They, well, Ben for sure is. He is more of a systems nerd. He built his own computer. I think he was 10 or 11 when he built his first computer and loves networking and all sorts of things. Nick is not into tech as much. He actually wants to be an epidemiologist. So that's interesting that your older son took apart a computer. We recently spoke to somebody who um, works in education. We were discussing the fact that it seems like um, the current generation of students is less inclined to actually dig in and take things apart because everything's so app-driven and not as much hardware. Uh, does he, is he involved in something in school that does that, or have you led him down that path? Where does that curiosity come from? Well, it's actually my younger son, my 12-year-old. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. And he is on a robotics team in the local community. It's not affiliated with his school, but it's a community team, which he's been doing for four years. And it's called First Lego League. And so that probably, I'm sure, has had some influence. And we also, I always have old computers and old electronics that I keep on hand. So he's always kind of had things sitting around to tinker with. So I think that's helped him get interested too. Interesting. How did you get involved in tech? Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, when I was young, my dad had a lot of computers that were sitting around that I wanted to tinker with. Um, he would get computers and computer parts and go and sell them at local conventions or the hamvention is what we have here in Dayton, Ohio for ham radio operators. And so we always had these computer things laying around and I just wanted to play games on them. So with my siblings, we would try and see which computer worked and would run the games that we wanted to play. And then eventually I started after windows came out, got more interested in computers and actually creating things on computers and would make little movies and animations and thought that was really cool. And then in junior high, I had the opportunity to take a programming class. And I just knew like 
right away that like I want to do something with computers. That's really really interesting. Um, the 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 progression there, and you mentioned that you professionally are into software development. Talk to us a little bit about what kind of software you develop, and both maybe now for the government and anything else that you've done in the past. For the government, I'm a front end engineer, and right now I work on Code.gov, which is our federal open source inventory. You know, for all of federal government, we're really trying to get more open source code available um, throughout the government. So that is primarily what I work on, and I also have other projects. So my other main project is the U.S. Web Design System, which is our design system for federal government. How does that work in terms of transitioning between administrations? How long have you worked there? Or have you been there longer than this administration? And have you seen things change? Yeah, I actually, when I was at my previous agency, was a project manager for web applications development and decided I wanted to go back into writing code full time. It was more kind of my side thing back then. And so I went to this platform called Open Opportunities is where federal employees can go look for little volunteer gigs, basically. And so through that, I found one of these gigs that was developing a site for the White House. And that was in 2014 or 2015, I think, in the Obama administration. And that actually was a WordPress site. And so that kind of is what started the ball rolling for me. Um, as far as like transitioning into front end full time and starting to work on projects for the White House. Yeah, that must be really challenging with the White House responding to everything in the world in real time. And wait, we're changing this, we're changing that. Was that first website done? Was that your introduction to WordPress in a formal way or had you been working with it beforehand? That was the first time I think I had worked with WordPress through my full-time job. My initial introduction to WordPress was way a long time ago, probably in, I think around 2008, when I was like, oh, what's this cool blogging thing? Let's check it out. So I put up a wordpress.com site and I was like, this is great. I wanna be able to tinker. So then I went to .org self-hosted and I was like, this is great. I really don't like blogging, but I like tinkering with WordPress. So I started freelancing and did that for a few years, which was a lot of fun. And then after that, I moved on to work on my friend's WordPress website, CSS Tricks, which on there was more like, I wasn't doing a lot of WordPress stuff. It was more, you know, like blog admin and operations type things. So I did that for six years. Um, so I've kind of been exposed to WordPress and working on WordPress for quite a while. So CSS Tricks is not a website that gets almost no traffic. That's a pretty busy site. And I'm interested to know kind of your mental approach of, hey, I'm going to work on a site that gets a whole bunch of traffic and I'm going to have to push my code up there. And like, what was that like in the sense of, you know, were you super confident and like, oh yeah, I'm really good at this. I'll push it up. That'll be awesome. Or like, what if I push it up there and it all breaks and I don't even know how many thousands of people have visit that site every day. I wonder 
What was that like for you the first time? Well, luckily I wasn't responsible for that stuff. I was not doing the design or coding on CSS tricks at all. A lot of my work was um, fixing Chris's typos and like mailing t-shirts and special little projects. Like we did a Kickstarter. So I did a lot of the work on the Kickstarter and I did a lot of like, let's make uh, thumbnails for these 150 videos. So a lot of those little things that as someone who is blogging on the site and maintaining the site that he didn't want to do. So as far as like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it added a lot of value because it freed up his time to really like create more content and not worry about those little things. Um, but we added, like we added the almanac to the site at that time. Um, you know, he added a lot of courses he was able to do just a lot of things. And so for me, I didn't really have to think like, Oh, millions of people are going to look at this because you know, when I hit save, that's when I worried about if I made an edit, okay, let me go back, make sure that I didn't screw up everything on this post, but it was pretty low pressure as far as the work went. That's cool. And, and I just want to go back to the value of not just freeing up Chris Coyer's time to write more content, but I think from a presentation standpoint, from a brand management, not having typos, having thumbnails that match the video that really ties the design together and the content together and the presentation in a way that probably people don't realize until they start landing on posts with typos or they land on a page that doesn't have any images. Oh yeah, that's nowhere near as nice or really engaging. Yeah. I also stood up all the social media for CSS tricks. So that was one of the special projects that I worked on and that was fun. So it definitely like rounds out the value. Well, it also broadens what you're doing. So you're not just writing code and developing. If you're doing things like social media, that kind of broadens what you're doing in terms of your, your tasks as well. Yeah, what's I really enjoyed favorite, it. What's your favorite thing? Do you prefer to be in code all day or do you like having it broken up? I prefer being in code all day for my full-time job. And then for after hours, I like doing other things and um, doing things that are more hands-on or like creating something out of a craft or cooking where I'm not just like staring at a screen all day. Let me ask you just quickly on cooking. Are you a recipe follower? Are you, uh, I'm just going to wing it because I've been doing it for a while. What's, what's, your, what's your approach? I do both. I have a set of recipes that I've been doing for a while and I'll just cook. But I also love um, getting cookbooks and trying new recipes and then tweaking them and kind of adding those to our rotation. My son, my younger son, Ben, is actually into cooking too. So that's been really fun for us lately. I'm so bad at following directions. I'm so bad at, at recipes because I just, I don't read them close enough. And, you know, I make something like, oh yeah, baking soda, that's going to make a difference. Or I you know, totally oh, do that all the time too. But you just keep trying <laughs> you. and do it again. Yeah. Sarah, 
We like to talk about success on the show. Can you talk to us about your definition of success, how you define it, what it means to you in your personal life, your professional life, one, the other, a combination? What does success mean to you? Yeah, so I think success for me is just being able to work on something fun and enjoy life, but also in a place where I'm adding value to other people. That's important to me. And, you know, working in public service is important to me. And I really enjoy that a lot. Um, And I think in order to feel successful in doing something fun, I also plan way out for my future. So I don't have to sweat the little things on a daily basis. When it comes to public service, talk to us a little bit about how what you're doing with the government um, is interpreted as a public service. How does that most, in the most basic level, how is it helping the world or the country? So the work I do for my agency is aimed at helping other agencies accomplish their missions. So we do, um, you know, tech and commodity buys and all those things so the other agencies don't have to, so that they can better focus on their specific missions. So at Veterans Affairs, they're not worried about putting together web design standards and design systems and worrying about the specifics of publishing websites because we're doing that for them. And then they can spend their time and effort on in dollars on taking care of the veterans. Thank you for clarifying that. I want to talk about um, part of your definition was about adding value to the lives of others. And that also harkens back to what Tara shared about you right at the start of the show, that you like to help others leveling up their skills. Talk to us a little bit about that. What does that mean in a practical sense? How are you doing that? And when did you get into that or how? I think I've always been interested and really enjoyed education. From the first position I took in the federal government and all of my roles afterwards, I've always incorporated education into that. So in my first job, um, I taught application coordinators, um, people who were in a specific domain but needed technology technology, um, training. And then from that, I actually went into a position where I was doing the day-to-day management of some IT interns for Veterans Affairs. So coordinating their education, um, teaching a few classes and things like that. So I've always kind of been involved in education in my work, but then also out of work, um, you know, outside of work, I've been involved in that as well. So five years ago, I think I started the local DN chapter of Girl Develop It and really wanted to get together with other women in tech put on classes, like let's level up our skills together. Let's talk about what we're doing and how we can kind of grow together as a community um, and as a community of kind of this underserved population. So I started that five years ago, which was a lot of fun. And then um, two years ago, I actually started kind of formally teaching and mentoring as a side job for an education boot camp um, called Thinkful. 
And so I do coaching and mentoring and help people do tech evaluations and interviews and all that related to um, development. So that's been really fun and really fulfilling as well. Can you describe your experience as a woman in tech and sort of seeing that evolve? You've been in it for a number of years. Yeah, so I was very lucky in starting out with government because in the government hiring process, while it is a little slow and um, kind of takes a while to actually get hired, part of that process is a lot of checks that are in place so that you do get a diverse workforce. So in my career in tech, I've always worked with other women. I have worked for other women in almost every position that I've had, and that has been awesome. When I really fell exposed to the lack of women in tech was when I started working remotely, and I decided, okay, I need to get out into my local community. Let's go talk to some people um, in tech and go to some tech meetups so so I wasn't feeling so isolated. So I went to our local um, date and web meetup, And I was the only woman there. And that's when I've really started realizing like, oh, where are all the other women at? And that was really kind of what drove me and motivated me to start um, a local chapter for just women in tech to kind of find like, I know you're out there. Where are these women? Let's get together and talk about it. So it, so it, it, you got out there and you realized that you were the only one attending the the tech meetups, the only woman attending the tech meetup. So you took it into your hands to to change that proactively. That's that's not a small amount of work, and I appreciate that you went through Girl Develop It, so you didn't have to start everything from scratch. But that's a you, know, you have to research and is this a good agency and what other agency or organization? I'm sorry, are there other organizations out there? What does this mean? What does that mean? And okay, now we're official chapter. We got to let women know that we're here so that they know where to show up. All of that takes a lot of time and energy. How do you how do you balance all of that with work, with being a mom, with having to walk the dog? It definitely was a lot of work and really challenging, but I think my experience throughout the years kind of gave me the tools and resources I needed to be able to accomplish that. Um, So in 2009, between 2007, 2009, I took graduate classes and six nights a week, I was studying and doing work for two to three hours at night after the kids went to bed. And so after I finished my graduate classes, I was like, now I have all this time on my hands. Let's do something else. And that's really when I started getting into WordPress. And so I just continued, you know, in those little spare moments that I had continued working on something. And, you know, back in 2015, when we decided, you know, let's do this thing, I already had created like pockets of time and learned very well, like, how many days or how many hours I have in a day and what I need to do in each of those hours to get those things done. And 
it's just like time management really and kind of using those margin hours where people are just normally maybe watching TV or lounging around. I was working. It's just time management. She says casually <laughs> as he struggles to figure out how to get his day organized, which, you know, that that's another question I had for you is you talked about planning what your life way out in advance. And that might be the way I heard it, not necessarily the way you said it. What does that mean? Because way in advance for some people is, yeah, I know what I'm doing in two hours. And for other people, it's, I know what I'm doing in, in two years or in 15 years. What does it mean for Sarah? For me, it means I know where I want to be when I'm 85 years old. And I have a 15-year plan, 10 years, five years, three years. I have a next week plan. And I started doing that really early in my life. You know, I had my first son when I was in college, a sophomore in college, and I had to figure out, okay, not finishing college is not an option. How do I get to the finish line? And so I started at the end and worked my way back. And I've always kind of done that since then. You got to start where where you want to be and figure out all the tiny little things you need to do to get there. And so like, I'm a goal setter and a planner. And so every year I have this whole life plan that I edit and revise and it takes a long time, but it's worth it. And then I break that down into, okay, here's what I'm doing this quarter, this month, this week, and today. And I literally sit my goals on my desk and read them every day. So you said that started when you were in college, when your when your son was born, and if you're talking about computers and getting into college and studying in college, you're organized at some level. But it sounds like the wonderful arrival of your son was a a bit of a game changer. I mean, aside from all the things that children, but like in terms of your mental approach to planning, and was that the case? And then from there, quite often we say, I'm going to do this new planning system. And then we run with it for a while. And then we change gears or we stop doing it or, or whatever it is. And it sounds like that you're still doing it 18 years later. Is that right? Well, I, so yes, my son being born while I was in college was absolutely a game changer for me. If he had not been born and when I was in college, I don't think I would have actually graduated in four years. I probably would have moseyed on through and finished, you know, four, five, six years. Who knows? I definitely wasn't like hardcore motivated until he was born. So that he was a game changer for me, which I think now was awesome. Um, and I and I don't mean to say that I've got all this figured out and it's amazing all the time and I never change my plan. That's totally not the case. I am a huge productivity organizational nerd. So I'm always like, you know, what's this new system on the blog? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Will that work for me? Um, so while I'm changing the systems all the time, probably the overall things that I'm doing, which are long-term planning and breaking them into small-term action items, that's what stays consistent for me. Yeah, I like that. Oh, we are going to have a long talk after this recording because uh, that is totally my thing as well. And productivity more more. geek alert. Productivity Yay. geek alert. 
goal setting and all of that. It's uh, I think it gives it gives you a sense of control. I'm realizing more and more when every little thing that you plan, you take control of in your life, and then you just feel more in control of everything, whether it's what you're eating, whether it's how you plan your day, how you set your goals for your business, how you approach your relationship with your family, all those things, if they're on your mind, you're controlling them. And it just, it gives you a sense of peace, I find. So yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's, it takes a while to figure it out. And then sometimes you, I think you, it waxes and wanes. So sometimes some days you're really on your game and you're in control and other days you just lose control. And I think there's also sort of the, the whole mindfulness. If you ever do meditation and talk about meditation, letting thoughts pass you by like clouds in the sky and you just say, oh, look, there's a thought and let it pass you by. It's the same thing with the day that's not productive. Oh, look, there is a day that I did not get done what I was supposed to. So you have to be forgiving of yourself as well. It's, it's really easy to fall into, um, I think, a sense of disappointment in yourself when you're trying to be that controlling as well. How do you manage sure. that balance? What do you think about that? I definitely have learned to kind of, you know, give myself grace when I am not accomplishing all those things on my task list for the day. Um, and actually what I started doing, unless I have something very urgent for that day, I don't even put it on my daily list. I'll have a weekly list and then I'll be like, these are things I need to get done this week and I'll just steadily work on them through the week. And so I don't feel as much daily pressure for specific items but I definitely have had to work on letting things go sometimes and not beating myself up about it and kind of making sure I tell myself, you know, it's okay, let's move on. And sometimes that means not getting to a goal for whatever reason or changing a goal and also not giving myself a hard time about that and just telling myself, okay, we're going to rebaseline. That didn't work out. We're going to go in another direction. Um, and so it's just, <clears throat> excuse me. So just being forgiving for myself really helps a lot. Absolutely. It does. Giving ourselves the space, uh, both time-wise, but mentally, emotionally, psychologically to get back on track is, 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 is a good idea and healthy. So I want to ask you about advice and you certainly shared a bunch with us about some of the meaningful ways in which you're able to structure your life. But how about advice that someone has given you or that you've read in a book or found online in a blog post or something? What's a bit of advice, the most the best advice that you've ever encountered and implemented in your life? I think going way back to high school, my dad gave me a piece of advice that I still think about all the time when I'm, you know, setting these goals and trying to figure out my path. And he said that, and I think we were talking about, maybe we were talking about going to college. I don't really remember. But he said that, you know, you really only need three things to accomplish something. You need brains, you need time, or you need money. And he said, of those three things, you really only need two. And he said, if you don't feel like you have the brains, if you've got the time and money, you can get it done. If you don't have the money, and you've got the time and the brains to persevere and get through it, he's like, you can get it done. 
And I think that really gave me confidence and still gives me confidence throughout, you know, my entire life where I feel like, okay, um, I can get this done. I can figure out how to get it done. And here are the three big things I'm working with. How do we leverage and adjust those three things to accomplish whatever it is we're looking at? The simplicity of that formula is brilliant, right? Because no matter what you're trying to do, whether it's get the, get the ingredients for the cookie recipe for this afternoon or plan your life by so that you know exactly where you're going to be at age 85, those three things. So that's really great. What a, what a wonderfully simple, practical, flexible formula. You can see whether you stuck with that or that's why, that's why that has stuck with you. He says as his tongue trips. I think it also can uh, relate to the idea of planning because when you're setting your goals, you can relate them to the idea of those three things that you need to hit two of the three in your goal setting, right? You need to have the money or the time or you need to learn and level up your your knowledge. So uh, I think it fits. I can see where that fits into how you approach your life and your your goals. So thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. Sarah, we, we, we have a little bit of time left, and you talked about cooking. Are you a savory cookery cooker or a sweet cooker? Are you making cookies, or are you making the steak and the bacon, and the, you're nodding your head? I'll let you share your answer. Yeah, I'm definitely a savory cooker. I don't have much of a sweet tooth, and... Um, I don't normally even bake at all unless my son wants to bake, then I will bake and we'll have cookies or cupcakes, but I'm usually like into cooking the dinner and I really like pulling a dinner together and having all the different little pieces. And then you're just making something out of nothing. In the end, you've got this like, hopefully, but not always amazing dish that you're offering to other people. And I think that's super fun and awesome. Tell me how you fit your, your love of planning in with your cooking. Do you plan out a week of meals at a time? If you're pulling things together, are you waiting till the last minute? How do you do that? I plan out a month of meals at a time. That's my goal. Sometimes it is just weekly when I'm having a, you know, a time that's like super busy. I'm like, here's my list of meals, go. Um, But I keep, I have a spreadsheet for everything. So there's a spreadsheet of here are the common meals that we cook. They're categorized by like, here's our slow cooker meals. These are our quick meals. You know, these are our breakfast meals. And um, I'll use that to make the grocery list. Um, sometimes that means going to the grocery more often than not lately, it means ordering them online, which I think is super fun. So I definitely do all the planning for meals. Yeah. I used to put them on the Google calendar with a link to the recipe online. That's like my thing. I planned about also weeks in advance. My kids were little. Yeah. Liam is yeah. cracking up over there. <laughs> you ladies Liam. are amazing. You're absolutely amazing. I love you both. Liam has experienced my love of spreadsheets, but yes. yes. I'm a spreadsheet for absolutely everything. Yeah, I do too. 
Yeah. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I'm sorry that we're out of time, but I'll probably keep chatting with you after we stop recording about this stuff because I love it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and sharing your story and for all you do in the open source community. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Sasson, and I have a website at sarah.io, but it's really just a link to my social media. I don't have a lot of content right there. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a huge pleasure and a real learning experience. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for Sarah. having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.